Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. He's breaking it down so you don't have to. This is Breaking It Down with Frank McKay on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone breaking it down frank mckay here with a very talented man and his book is is an absolute must especially if you're in quarantine you should be reading and uh and, and listening to good stuff and the audio version of his memoir is out alan's why bell is our very special guest his memoir is laugh lines my life helping funny people be funnier and boy no truer words have ever been said <laughs> he is he is absolutely terrific and you know his work from saturday night live and and the gary shanlin show and so much more just an, an absolutely absolutely amazing talent alan's Bell. how are you alan hey frank how you doing well, thanks for having me yeah well listen thanks for being here uh what really what a career you've put together and fortunately you've put it into book form you know a lot of guys in your uh, in your position, you know, kind of known for behind the scenes and and aren't there. I, it, you know, a lot of times you can't get them the right books. You know, you you don't uh, you don't have that. And you've really given some insight in, into how it all works. Uh, terrific. Congratulations on the success of the book. And uh, what can you uh, kind of give us a rundown? Well, uh, thanks, Frank. It's you know, I've been I had been asked for years uh, to write a book about my career because um it's unusual because it's it spans so many different eras of comedy. I started out uh, right out of college in the early 70s writing jokes for comedians who worked in the Catskill Mountains. That's where I started, and they paid me $7 a joke. Wow. And, uh, you know, I was living at home with my parents after college while all my friends went to law school and medical school, and I was writing for those guys. And it was a bit of a kick because they were the same comedians that I saw that I used to sneak into the nightclubs when i was a little kid when our parents took us up to the catskills and i wasn't allowed to you know go in because you had to be 18 years old and i'm writing for them now but then i got a little uh, bored of that uh i was 21 and 22 they were 40 and 45 i wanted to write about the uh, different things woodstock and nixon resigning and you know stuff that was uh affecting my generation so i then took all the jokes they wouldn't buy for me and uh, I did it. Uh, I went on stage uh, in two showcases in New York City and recited the jokes. And um, Lorne Michaels caught wind of me and my material, gave me a job as one of the original writers on Saturday Night Live. So there's another year. So there's the Catskills, there's Saturday Night Live. And then when I co-created its Gary Shandling show, that was the beginning of comedy on cable. Years later, uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm speaks for itself. So does David Letterman. And the book also has my uh, my Broadway uh, things, co- um, collaborating with Billy Crystal on a Tony Award-winning play we wrote together called uh, 700 Sundays. And uh, Billy and I just completed a movie that we wrote together. It stars him and Tiffany Haddish. And we're just waiting to see. It's called Here Today. And we're waiting to uh, hear 
how and when it will be released. You know, it was supposed to be in the theaters in the fall and then COVID happened. So now we're going to find out whether it's going to go straight to Netflix or what's going to happen, you know, when people will be able to see it. So the book spans 45 years of me going through all these different eras in comedy. It's just amazing what you're talking about. You're one of those bridge guys, and and I don't even know who else I could. And there's a handful of you. You know, there's a Rushmore of of, of you guys. And and if you think about it, uh, it, you you connect all of those eras. And and you talk about uh, Billy Crystal and uh, Tiffany Haddish. And Tiffany Haddish is one of the, uh, the the hottest stars of today. So you know, when you go back 45 years, and you're talking about, you know, I'm assuming the Alan Kings of the world and 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 folks like that, you're you know selling jokes to. Uh, and now, you know, Tiffany Haddish. I, I mean, really, it's it. it you got to look back. You got to be very proud of what you've done. Well, it's been a fun ride, you know, Frank. It really has been. And uh, obviously, SNL opened up a thousand doors. And, um, you know, those relationships still continue. I met Eric Idle on that show, and uh, he and I are going to be doing an event together to, you know, to publicize this book. And, uh, uh, you know, it just, over the years, I've been fortunate enough to have really good friends who've been doing all sorts of different things. And uh, a lot of them took me along uh, on their ride. And uh, the things that I started myself, um, I caught a couple of breaks here and there, so it's been fun. But the book also has a couple of uh, foul tips. You know? <laughs> I, I, I talk about a, a movie I wrote called North that uh, Roger Ebert at the time used the word hate in it 11 <laughs> times in one paragraph. Okay, so it's not, <laughs> it, it hasn't been one huge day at the beach, but it's the ups and downs of a career in comedy and the people that. Uh, you know, Gilda Radner, John Belushi, uh, Billy Crystal, uh, Larry David, Martin Short. I'm working a lot now with Dave Barry. Uh, so it's been a lot of um, fun. It's been a lot of fun working with all these people, the collaboration of all of these uh, uh, things. So uh, that's why I say helping funny people be funnier. It's uh, it's a lot about writing with people, for people, and uh, what that process is like. Let me remind everyone, if they're tuning in a little late or turning on the radio is a little late, Alan Zweibel, Zweibel, right? Is it Zweibel or Zweibel? What do you like? You know, so I'll, I'll answer to both, so it's fine. <laughs> Go for it. Okay. Yeah. Well, it, Laugh Lines, My Life Helping Funny People Be Funnier uh, is is the book. It is a must-get. Get two of them, everyone. It is uh, it, it, one for you and one for somebody who likes comedy, likes entertainment, because this is a history lesson. And it's absolutely incredible. I, when you first uh, ran into uh, Lorne Michaels or he ran into you or whatever the situation was, I, did you have any idea that SNL would still... <laughs> well, there's no way you had an idea that it would still be on the air now. But uh, how long did you think that gig would last? Were you were You know you something? It, it was everybody's first job. You know, Lorne had worked in TV before, obviously, and so had Chevy and... Uh, a couple of the other writers, but by and large, this was the first TV show any of us had been on. Belushi and Gilda and uh, most of the writers. And um, Lorne just said the first day, you know, just, let's make each other laugh and uh, we'll put it on television. And there's an audience out there for it. So we just had fun and we were we came up with all these different things. And um, with uh, under Lorne's guidance, we created this show. And uh, we knew it was different, 
We knew that um, it wasn't like the Carol Burnett show. It wasn't like uh, Sonny and Cher, which was, you know, the big variety shows of that day. But if I <laughs> if I were to tell you right now that, oh, yeah, I knew it would last 46 years, <laughs> I'd be lying. <laughs> That's just an out and out lie, you know. Amazing. Well, listen, uh, Gary Shanlin is in a different category. It's uh, all its own. I mean, obviously the fans loved it, but uh, your peers loved it. It's just like uh, Curb. But uh, Gary Shanlin's show was uh, was something that, uh, you know, like every comedian I've ever had on this show, uh, you know, if you ask them about it, they just rave about it. It just, you know, it was a comedian's comedian, uh, you know, on uh, you know, on film and on, you know, on TV, and it was just a brilliant show. All of your work has just been just incredible. I mean, we didn't even get into Letterman. I wish we had more time with you, to be honest with you, but I, what can you what can you tell us about the book that I, that was a struggle to put in there? In closing, I know a lot of people waiting to talk. Oh, to well, you. in closing, the struggle was, but it was very therapeutic. Uh, Gary and I created a show that lasted four years, and by the end of the show, we were hardly talking to each other. Um, and uh, we were slowly making our way back to being friends again. And I was in L.A. I was working on the, uh, the, the movie that with Billy Crystal, the one he just did with Tiffany Haddish. And Gary and I made plans to have dinner. It didn't work out. So we said we'd speak uh, on the phone when I was back in New York on Thursday. He lived in L.A. Uh, we speak Thursday night. He died uh, Thursday morning. Wow. So the circle of com- coming full circle of being friends again and putting all of uh, the bad feelings behind us was a little bit incomplete. Uh, I talk about that in the book, and there's a lot of heart there about the loss of a friend that, um, you know, uh, that you still had a little bit of unfinished business with. So, uh, you know, the Gilda Radner, Gary Shanling. I dedicated the book to my sister who passed away. She was the first person I ever made laugh. So aside from the chronology of what I've done and what I've been a part of, there's also a lot of heart in the book. No, listen, what a career. Uh, still going strong. Uh, Alan, I want to just thank you very much for being here. Can you give us a website or a social media site where people could follow along with what yeah. you're doing? My website is alanswybell.com. Um, Twitter is uh, at alanswybell. And Instagram is uh, Alan's Weibel, uh official. Thank you, thank you very, very much for being here, and congratulations I, on thanks a million, amazing Frank. Thanks for having me, Alan. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you. To everyone out there, please get the book "Laugh Lines." Laugh Lines is the name of the book. Alan Zweibel is the author, and Laugh Lines: My Life Helping Funny People Be Funnier. And uh, wow, you know what a uh, what an amazing career he's had as a writer, comedy writer. And again, he started out in the Catskills, seven dollars a joke. And you know, you, you, we're running out of guys that could say things like that. And it's a uh, it, it's it's nice to have somebody write a book like this, and and you get the the, the background on everything. Gary Shanlin, he and uh, Gary Shanlin uh, created co-created the show. Uh, curb your enthusiasm. You uh, wrote there, and and you know I mentioned Letterman, and Saturday Night Live was his uh, first big break. But Seven Hundred Sundays was a Tony Award-winning show with him and Billy Crystal, and uh, you know just I really what a career, and I'm thrilled to have a guy like this on, and and you know so many people 
may never hear of him without this book. I, I didn't even know how to pronounce his first and last name. I've been reading it for years, and it's Y. Bell. I, I know that because that's, that's how he just pronounced it. But anyway, you, you check him out, and, and please buy the book, Laugh Lines, My Life Helping Funny People Become Funnier. Ellen's Y. Bell has been our very special guest. We'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Breaking It Down with your host, Frank McKay, on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, wonderful author. He's from Long Island. Uh, D.W. Payone is his name, and he's a wonderful writer. He's, uh, he started out in life the day, the day the Beatles came to America. And it's February 7th. Uh, 1964, and while they were doing all those interviews, they forgot to ask, what do you think about that new baby born, D.W.? <laughs> and uh, anyway, he is the author of Mickey Rooney Was Right, and it's a wonderful book. Everyone's got to get it. Uh, D.W., how are you? Never felt better. Uh, well, listen, uh, congrats on your book. You're getting rave reviews, and, uh, and tell us a little something about uh, your experience with uh, a crazy uh, as as you put it, you told me in a prior uh, conversation, uh, a crazy Mickey Rooney. Uh, it, give us a little background on your book. Well, uh, I was working as a uh, film loader on a feature, and Mickey Rooney was on, and we had this conversation in his trailer when I brought three copies of his autobiography for him to sign. And I didn't know it at the time, but uh, Mickey Rooney was out of his mind. Yeah. Life is Short is the name of his autobiography, uh, just for the record. I believe that's correct. It's either Life is Short or Life is Too Short. Uh, now, now I'm thinking about it. Yeah, play on words, because he's a short guy, and he was kind of, you know, being funny about yeah. it. But uh, crazy. All right, so uh, you had him sign the three books, and, and th this led you to uh, to writing your book, which, by the way, is 500-and-something pages long. I mean, you really, you, you know... Uh, uh, who, who was uh, who was the writer um, who was, uh, uh, you know, he was uh, a contemporary of Ginsburg. Uh, who did On the Road? Uh, Kerouac. Uh, Jack Kerouac, uh, yes. Capote, yeah. uh, said about Kerouac, he said, uh, he said he's not a writer, he's a typist. And uh, that's not the case with you. Uh, yeah. you uh, but you, you wrote a 500-and-something page book. What, what's in those pages? And kind of condense it. Well, it's it's pretty much uh, the the uh, what they call uh, in uh, newspapers the deck, which is like the subheading. So the book, book is called Mickey Rooney Was Right, but the deck is How I Followed a Dream When Logic and Those Around Me Said to Stop. So Logic was telling me, you got to find something else. This this push to be in television and in motion pictures is really not working that logic was saying do something else and and of course when i say uh when and other other people those around me i mean my sister was telling me 
give this up. But I was following a dream. I, and and, and the, the, essentially the theme of the book is for anybody who wants to follow a dream and needs a little push. If, if somebody out there, and it doesn't just have to be entertainment. If somebody out there wants to do something and they've been hemming and hawing and they need a little push, this book is designed to give that push. Yeah, see, I think that's great. And, uh, you know, so this isn't, this isn't a, uh, a book of somebody standing on the mountaintop saying, I did it, I made it. This is somebody who's, uh, who's saying, you know what, I followed my dream, even though uh, uh, people like Mickey Rooney were discouraging me. And, I, it, you know, you, t- you told me some pretty nasty things that Mickey Rooney said to you while you were, uh, while you were dealing with them in that trailer. And, I, uh, you know, it, it really terrible if you think about it. Guy with that success... And you know, I guess he had eight wives, so he was, uh, you know, he was a, a bitter. That'll do with anybody. Yeah, you know, so you know, and and uh, you know, some of the most beautiful women in the world, this guy was involved in, but he still he ends up being bitter. Had a uh, had a childhood career. Um, if you're just joining us, D.W. Payone is our uh, very special guest, and he's the author of Mickey Rooney Was Right. And uh, he's uh, he, a yeah, very, very good writer. Just a uh, Long Island boy. Frank McKay here with D.W. Uh, D.W., why would a guy like Mickey Rooney say something like this to you? And, and tell us what he said. You said it to me privately, so I don't want to project here. But he said some pretty nasty things. Uh, you know, things like, hey, you, you have no chance uh, because you're a nobody. Or you, give me that. Give me the line he said. He, he said, you... You can't do anything. You know why? Because you're nobody. Nobody. But I wish you the best of luck. And this was repeated several times before I crawled out of that trailer. Now, what's the purpose of telling somebody that, right? Even if he felt like you were a nobody, what's the purpose? What did he think was uh, was getting across to you was he uh, was he talking sense into you in his mind was he was he just venting because he hates life what what's with mickey rooney and why would somebody at that status say something to you a guy basically looking for his autograph well i i think you just hit it i think he was just trying to set me straight and tell me how it is you know, I, I've read several autobiographies of the very successful people from mostly entertainment. I, you know, Frank Capra, I've I, I read, uh, and, and then um, uh, business as well. Uh, uh, Donald Trump signed Art of the Deal for me, uh, Lee Iacocca. So I've, I've read about, uh, you know, the, the, the life stories from very successful people from themselves. And, uh, you know, even uh, Kirk Douglas could not get one flew over the cuckoo's nest off the ground. He was a major Hollywood player and he could just not raise money to do that movie. Eventually he gave it to his son, Michael Douglas, and he was able to get it off the ground. So I'm sure Mickey Rooney knew many, many people personally who were in much better positions than I were, who who couldn't get things done, who couldn't get things off the ground in, in Hollywood. And I think he was just probably trying to set me straight. What, what was he referring to? Uh, what were you trying to get off the ground? You had a, a script? You had a treatment? What did you have? I, I had a, a full-blown pilot, uh, you know, script, teleplay, for a single-camera sitcom called Golden Age, 
which takes place during the golden age of television. Additionally, my brother-in-law and I wrote uh, two other comedies. Uh, so we had we had three single camera sitcom pilots, and then at some point we also had a, a one-hour drama sci-fi pilot. And th- there might have been a few more pilots in there. I love television. Yeah, and I, you know, you you told me off mic uh, in another conversation that uh, you grew up watching. Uh, the reruns of Dick Van Dyke and Rob Petrie was, you know, of course, working for, uh, you know, Carl Reiner and uh, along with Rosemary and um, and Maury Amsterdam, right? The act, those are the actors, you know, Sally and Buddy, right? Whether you know, right. his co-writers and, and you watched it and then it, you got into MASH and you said, oh, this is the finished product of what they did, which I think is a great connection for a kid to make. You know, Rob Petrie was doing this uh, and this is the end result is is a MASH type thing, which of course was a, a, a smash hit. Um, I personally think it's disgraceful that Mickey Rooney was like talking like that to you. I, you know, it's a very negative way of look. I could see him saying, Hey, look, um, it's, uh, it, it's not going to be easy, uh, but you need to do this. Obviously nobody's quote unquote, that's his words, not mine, but, uh, nobody's, uh, get things done all the time. They figure out how to get things done. And just because Kirk Douglas was a monster and an Oscar winner and Spartacus and all this, I, you know, just because he couldn't get something done in, in, uh, in the early 1970s, when it was, you know, well past his prime, um, it doesn't, uh, doesn't mean that you couldn't do it. Uh, if, if you ran across somebody who was a little more nurturing, um, maybe they could have given you good advice to go well, somewhere. Well, the nurturing story in the book, there's a whole chapter on Larry Gelbart. Now, Larry Gelbart was the head writer of MASH for the first four seasons and, and uh, one of the producers. And, of course, he was in the Sid Caesar's writer's room. He wrote for Bob Hope. He wrote for Broadway. He wrote the movie Tootsie. He wrote the movie Oh God. And, you know, again, MASH was one of the reasons I went into show business, you know, that and the Dick Van Dyke show. And one script my brother-in-law and I wrote, the the one that NBC loved but said was too intelligent, uh, turned out very much like MASH in spirit. It had nothing to do with doctors or the Army, but it was essentially MASH in a high school. Our lead character is a lot like Hawkeye in that he's good at his job, but he doesn't want to be there. So I found Larry Gelbart's home address in Beverly Hills, and I mailed him the script. And, you know, you don't do that. You don't mail scripts to homes of industry professionals, but I do. So I mailed him the script. Now, I had an apartment in Burbank at the time, but I'm on a TV series as a camera assistant in New York, and I call my answering machine in Burbank. There's a message. This is Larry Gelbart. I read your script. It's really quite wonderful. I want you to call me and talk to me about how I can help you with this. Now, a comedy writer getting a phone call from Larry Gelbard is like a musician getting a phone call from one of the Beatles. Yeah. It's just no bigger than that. So there's a whole chapter in the book on Larry Gelbard. The, the book is worth buying just for that chapter. Yeah, well, listen, the book is worth buying. You've gotten, you've gotten rave reviews on it. Um, I, unfortunately, we're out of time. Hopefully we can get you back for a part two, part three. Uh, to uh, discuss this whole concept. You know, I love it. Uh, Mickey Rooney was right, and, and I, I disagree with that, but the book is great. And uh, D.W. Payone 
is our very special guest, and he has, uh, he's, he's the writer of that book. He's the author of that book. Uh, also wrote, uh, wrote some jokes for uh, Jay Leno for The Tonight Show and, uh, and, and so many other things along the way. Uh, D.W. Payone, congrats on, uh, on the book and, and on your success, and, and Mickey Rooney was wrong. You're not a nobody. You're a somebody. Uh, quickly, uh, in, in, in about 10 seconds, give us, give us a website to buy the book on. I know you don't want us to buy it on Amazon. Um, give us the, the website there. Authorhouse.com and get the hardcover. And if you're in New York, I'll sign it for you. D.W. Payone is our very special guest, has been our very special guest. Uh, D.W., thanks for being here. And uh, well, hopefully we'll get you again real soon. And to everyone out there, uh, by the book, Mickey Rooney was right. D.W. Payone is the is the writer, uh, the author. Uh, just a wonderful read and 500 and something pages. 555, 555 glorious pages. 555, imagine that. Ten, wow. ten, ten, ten of those pages are photographs. Wow, just uh, great. D.W. Payone, everyone. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down. It's Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. Long Island Vibes. On 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. Now here's your host, Frank McKay. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here with a, a legend, really. I mean, he is uh, he has seen it all. And for nearly four decades, uh, this this man has been just a, a fixture in uh, in pop culture, a, a comedic uh, talent uh, second to none, and you know certainly uh, media wise and uh, and everything that this man has done is just he's put a special mark on it. Uh, legendary L.A. Uh, weatherman Fritz Coleman uh, has, uh, has has done it all and seen it all. I'm absolutely thrilled to have him. His Media Path podcast is uh, is a must listen to, and uh, it, you you just gotta. Uh, you just got to listen to it. He's just absolutely wonderful. Uh, Fritz, thrilled to have you. Frank, I'm honored to be on your show. I appreciate your chance to talk to your listeners. Well, listen, I, you've, uh, you've seen it all, as I said, and uh, you've been at it for a very long time. Uh, give us a little rundown of the, uh, the Media Path podcast. And, uh, you know, it's, again, uh, it's, uh, you've done such a great job with it and, and everything over the years. But give us, give us a little rundown of this. Absolutely. Well, um, I, I, I have a co-host. Uh, her name is Louise Polanker. We've been friends for 30 years. Uh, she produ- I've had several one-man shows, comedic stand-up one-man shows, and she produced two of them. We've been friends for a long time. We have similar opinions about stuff. We have similar interest in movies and television shows. And we have great conversations about like pop culture every day. And she thought, why not just extend this and share this conversation with other people? So we started a podcast about a year ago. We've had 100 and, almost 106 episodes in the can. We're relatively new to the venue, but we're having so much fun. And we call it Media Path because every week we, we start the show for five or ten minutes talking about new releases in any kind of media. For instance, new streaming offerings, new releases in movies and theaters, new books that are released, new podcasts, and and we just talk about it. We don't review them. We just suggest them to people and sort of send them down a media path. And then we have a guest. 
the guest takes up the bulk of the show. It's about 50, 45, 50 minutes. We have a wide range of pop culture, recognizable figures. We just uh, on Tuesday interviewed Felix Cavalieri, the founder of the Rascals, one of my favorite blue-eyed soul bands of all time. He was so lovely, so human, and it was a pleasure to talk to him. We've had Adam Schiff on to talk about the politics in Congress and about his new book. We've had uh, Gary Puckett, lead singer of the Union Gap, to talk about the 60s and 70s in rock and roll. We also had Bill Medley on talking about the same thing. He was, of course, 50% of the Righteous Brothers. And we have all kinds of interesting topics. We're, we're sort of boomers uh, in our age group, and so we thought we're going to stretch and go with some young topics. And we had two guys who have huge followings on TikTok to come on and teach us how to use TikTok properly. These guys have millions of views on TikTok. So that was fun. So we do a wide range of pop culture and current topics and have a blast doing it. Fritz, I, as I said, you've been doing this for, for 40 years, and I can't imagine there's anything that, that's too, maybe TikTok, right? But, uh, but there's anything too new to you. Uh, is it reminiscent of anything you've done in the past? I mean, your podcast, uh, I mean, it's uh, kind of like the old-fashioned talk show, you know. the. Uh, that's, you know. that's exactly right. That's exactly what it is. It's really the latest outgrowth of radio. But it's a little more personal in radio. It's not censored as much as radio. Uh, you're not stopped a lot for commercial <coughs> pardon, <Yeah. laughs> stopped a lot for commercial content in radio. It, but I, I think it's probably where radio will go. It's a more personal type of radio. Uh, and so you, you make a good observation. So I mean, the, the skills you I, I was a, a DJ for 15 years. Uh, and uh, so your skills in being able to string a couple of sentences together without a break really helps in podcasting, as you well know. And so, uh, and, and, you know, ad living on the air doing the weather for 40 years teaches you to think on your feet. So all those are skills that worked in the podcasting world. But podcasting is very real. It's very intimate and it's honest and it's uncensored. And I'm really having a blast doing it. Media Path Podcast is the name. Everyone's got to uh, got to look it up and uh, listen, uh, binge listen to a hundred episodes, and I guarantee you, you'll love it. Fritz and, and his partner uh, Louise Polanka are are just uh, must listen to uh, radio and podcasting. It's just uh, absolutely fantastic. Fritz Coleman is our very special guest. Frank McKay here. Much more importantly, Fritz is our very special guest today. Uh, Fritz, we got a couple moments here with you. Is there is there anything you look at in your career? And again, it's been a long and fruitful uh, one. Is it? Is there anything you think of and say, you know, boy, I I would really like to do that. Uh, you know, before the uh, the hundred years is up, or before the whatever, I, <laughs> is there is there anything that that's on a, either a bucket list for you or on a short list uh, that you still haven't done that you would like to media wise? That's a great question. I, I really don't have anything, any mountains I haven't climbed. I was on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson and Jay Leno eight times. I was on the Tonight Show when when. Uh, uh, Joan Rivers and Gary Shanlin co-hosted. I uh, performed stand-up on a Bob Hope Christmas special. I went to two Olympics in Seoul, Korea, and Atlanta, Georgia, uh, on assignment from NBC. I opened for Ray Charles in concert. I opened for Debbie Reynolds in concert. I opened for the band America in concert. I've had, and, and the older I get, the more I realize this, I have been beyond lucky. I'm so fortunate. So 
to quite honestly uh, answer you, I, there, there's nothing that remains on my bucket list that I wish to do. I just want to stay healthy. I have grandchildren now. I like to keep going for them, and I'm having a great life. You know, there's a cliche, the harder I work, the luckier I get, and, uh, and I think that <laughs> applies to you, so you're modest. Uh, what a career. I've been following your career for years, and I've seen some of those Tonight Show uh, performances, and, uh, and you know, you, you were on the Tonight Show when there were 20 million or 30 million people watching them, you know. Precisely. Three, three networks and, and so forth. Precisely. Yeah, but uh, amazing career that you've put together. I want to congratulate you and, and Louise on the podcast, but you, more importantly, for just a, an amazing career. Um, do you have anything coming up? And, and again, I know things are fluid. Uh, you know, we're still coming out of a pandemic and everything. Do you have anything coming up that, that points to some big celebration of your career? I mean, uh, well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what I am doing. I, I'm I'm taping a comedy special that we hope to uh, put on a streaming platform. I'm taking it in uh, North Hollywood at the El Portal Theater on October 16th. We'll take two shows and uh, choose the best of those and hope that you'll be able to view that on Netflix or somewhere eventually uh, once we get the thing post-produced. But that's what I'm really looking forward to. And, you know, the, the, perform- the live performance arena is just starting to open up after COVID now. Everything was going well. Then we had... Uh, Delta and then we had Omicron and everything was shut down again. Now it's reopening gradually. So people are becoming less afraid to come out and enjoy a live performance. And I'm really happy about that. Uh, Fritz, give, uh, give us a, a website or a social media site where we could follow along with what you're okay, doing. You can go to, you can go to media path podcast, all one word, dot com. We have a, a fan page on Facebook that you can find, uh, a, a support group. We have all of our previous episodes there. You'll learn a little of the history of both myself and Louise and everything you need to know is there, Media Path Podcast. And you can find us at Media Path Podcast in YouTube because we're both listenable and viewable uh, because uh, my, my co-host is a documentary filmmaker and she post-produces these shows and adds a lot of great visual elements and so you can see it on YouTube as well. Fritz Coleman, thanks for being here. I really appreciate the invitation to talk to your viewers. Thank you, my friend. Fritz Coleman has been our very special guest. There's another uh, one of these guys who's seen it all uh, 40 years in the uh, in the business, more than, you know, uh, four decades when, uh, about four, four decades, uh, longtime Los Angeles uh, weatherman, and um, uh, and you know he's broken off to do so many different things. Uh, you know, in in many ways, uh, like uh, a well, there's no one like Al Roker, right? I mean, Al Roker has uh, has taken uh, being a weatherman and and spilling off of that. Uh, career and spinning off of that career into a million other things, but Fritz Coleman's done the same thing, and uh, and he's been at it a very long time. You know, like I said, you know, when he, he was on Johnny Carson Tonight Show, when there were 30 million people watching, um, you know, the one show at night, and uh, you know, he's um, yeah, he's just had a, a career you could be proud of. Uh, Media Path Podcast is co-hosted by Louise Palenka. And, you know, she's, uh, she's been a, a producer and a documentarian for a long time. They have 100 episodes under their belt. And, uh, you know, again, they, you know, a lot of the same people you hear here, you, you could hear, uh, you know, on Fritz and, and Louise's uh, podcast. But uh, just uh, terrific uh, talent. 
and and longevity is a uh, is a statement all its own, and uh, you know, very talented guy. And uh, you gotta you gotta listen. You gotta give it at least at least a, a try, and I think you'll be hooked. Uh, lots of pop culture folks there. Uh, Frank McKay signing off. Fritz Coleman has been our very special guest. We'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down. In many ways, Long Island is the story of America. It's Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. Long Island is definitely the place for you. Now, here's your host, Frank McKay, on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here with someone who is iconic, legendary, and every other adjective you could think of. Uh, he is uh, he is unbelievable. If there was a horror Hall of Fame, Robert England would need a whole wing to himself. There probably is a horror Hall of Fame, but uh, absolutely amazing. And uh, if you uh, if you don't believe me, you could watch any any one of his uh, one of his films. It's Freddy Krueger. But check him out on Blumhouse's Compendium of Horror. You could watch it on Epics, which is terrific and. Uh, it's a docu-series, original Epics docu-series, and who better to talk to about this than Robert Englund. Robert, how are you? I'm doing great, Frank. Thanks for the plug. You know, I, I just got back from Spain. I was at a film festival. Uh, you know, I'm playing catch-up after COVID here with people I had to turn down. And I d- had done the narration uh, for Compendium of Horror earlier this year, but I hadn't seen any of the images or the research or the behind-the-scenes stuff or the interviews with Jamie Lee Curtis and John Carpenter and all the great people they got to, to talk and gossip. And uh, I've, since I've been back, I've been binging it. I just got through the 70s uh, uh, sequence, and i got to tell you, this show is terrific. I'm so proud to be part of it. The, the research team on, on the, Blum, the Blumhouse research team, I, they just took such a deep, deep dive uh, into horror and, you know, it goes all the way back to silent films and all the way up to practically yesterday uh, with horror films. But they found images and stills and and stuff you've never seen. They, they use sequences from the films that you rarely see anymore, not just the cliche shot of, of you know, Linda Blair's head spinning around from The Exorcist. But they've got some real original great backstage behind the scenes stuff I'm, I'm just i'm just so impressed with with the team that blumhouse assembled for this project blumhouse is is absolutely terrific and this is uh this is just indicative of it them get, being able to get you to do the narration is just wonderful horror has a a loyalty uh and it's following like like none other that i've seen and i think um uh, you, you know, for example, your, your book, Hollywood Monster, I've given out so many of those books, people think I have stock in it. I've given it out. I, I think it's just absolutely fantastic. But the people I give it to are, are horror fanatics, and they're just friends of mine that, uh, you know, for Christmas presents or birthday presents. Uh, but it, you've got to see that every every day of your life. Um, I, I don't think there's anything I can compare it to. The loyalty to horror uh, from the following of, of horror films is just unbelievable. Well, you know, at some point I made peace, uh, you know, with the fact that my obituary will say, you know, the first thing you'll read in it is that I played Freddy Krueger. But I've done, uh, I think, over 90 movies now, feature-length films, and I think I added up, I think I've done like 
25 horror movies plus the Freddy movies, you know, not counting the Freddy movies, so that makes it about 33 or 34. But, I've, you know, there's another 60 feature-length movies out there that I've been in, and some of those are small parts, and some of those are starring roles with big stars like Jeff Bridges and Henry Fonda and stuff like that. But the great gift, you know, that, uh, that, that Nightmare on Elm Street gave me is – it not only made me an international actor, but people learned my name, and that's very important for an actor. And uh, I've always respected horror, and I was a fanboy when I was a child, but I'd sort of buried that under years and years of classical training and Shakespeare and avant-garde theater work, and I'd sort of forgotten it until I worked for Wes, and he really sort of taught me to respect the genre of horror again and uh, you know horror has survived you know the, the cowboy movie we don't go see cowboy movies every Friday nope. night anymore but every week every week there's a new horror movie coming out uh, whether it's Barbarian or, or or whether it's you know uh, there's always a new horror movie coming out uh, it, it's part of the uh, of the classic romantic comedy you know action movie uh, horror movie and now now the superhero films as well and there's always one in the top ten a fantasy film a science fiction film a horror film and I'm just you know really proud that I, I made the decision to uh, be loyal uh, uh, to the genre because it's been very very good to me and I do other things all the time but it's been very very good to me and it's enabled me to work all over the world it's listen. It's an art form, and 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 like it or not, you're an artist, and uh, people are going to respect you uh, for your acting ability and your acting chops anywhere else. But certainly here, you've created a character that's going to last forever. You created the the on screen boogeyman. You you created um, a Frankenstein or Dracula or the modern version of that. And in Compendium of Horror, I imagine uh, it, we kind of lay out the history. Of this, I, give us a little more on a compendium of of horror, and and what it was, uh, what it's like being such a part of documenting history. Well, you know, it, it as I said, I hadn't seen any of the images, and and then I, I began binging it a couple of days ago, and uh, it, it's just amazing. You know, you go all the way back to the silent films. And all the way up to practically, you know, yesterday in, in the history of horror and how our society has affected the horror film and how changes have affected it. You know, Dracula by Bram Stoker and Frankenstein by Mary Shelley and, and uh, uh, you know, the, the, the various uh, horror icons, uh, you know, that we saw, uh, Phantom of the Opera with Lon Chaney by uh, Gaston Leroux. These were all best-selling books as well they were all they all came from literature and, and and so those monsters gave way then to the sort of atomic age you know and our paranoia of the cold war and the atomic bomb and radiation you know radiation monsters you know i'm, I'm afraid of radiation and what it's going to do giant giant godzillas and, yeah. and giant spiders and, and 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 one of the one of the things that the blumhouse included and i knew we were all on the same page then with with how much we love the genre was they highlighted the, this great film that i saw as a child 
uh, called Them, yeah. you know, the giant right. ants, giant radioactive ants, and it was all shot documentary style, cinema verite, black and white. And as a child, of course, you see that, and there were already color movies when I was a child. So it looked like I was watching the news. It almost looked like newsreel, you know, and James Whitmore being very real in it, and, uh, uh, the, you know, just great shoot-and-run uh, handheld techniques and that sound effect for the giant ants. And that was like a really early, early haunting experience for me. As I think I saw that when I was like seven years old, six, seven, six or seven years old, you know, uh, on the, on the afternoon movie or, or something. But, you know, I was just so happy to see that included in the compendium of horror, the Blumhouse compendium of horror. And what I learned was that movie, that movie that had not scarred me, but stayed with me forever in the back of my little reptilian Robbie England <laughs> fanboy brain, that that movie was up for special effects Oscar. Uh, I think it lost to another favorite of mine back then when I was a child, um, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, yeah. and uh, with a giant squid effect, you know, by Disney. But I, just, I really feel vindicated, you know, that uh, this film uh, was nominated for an Oscar that has, that, that has been in the back of my brain forever. Robert, congratulations on everything. I can't wait to watch this, and then we'll be talking about it as we let you go. Do you have a quick website or a social media site where we could follow you? Well, you know, I I I I, I Twitter, I, I Twitter a, a bit, and I think that's Robert Barton England, and uh, yeah, I, I'm robertengland.com. Uh, you can look for me there and leave me messages there, and uh, it, you get you get access there onto my. Uh, I have some great. Uh, uh, a, a great filmography where that you can go to, and I went way down the rabbit hole of the internet a couple of years ago with my wife, and you can click on any of my movies from 1973 until you know 2020, and I've got great stills and stuff that we we found you know searching the internet and looking through my own personal archive. So it's kind of fun to do on a rainy day. Robert, thanks for being here. All right, bye bye. Robert England, everyone. Yeah, Blumhouse's Compendium of Horror, Compendium of Horror uh, is the name of it, and it's a docu-series, and who better to document that than, uh, than Robert Englund, and uh, you know, you know him as Freddy Krueger, uh, he's always going to be known as Freddy Krueger, same way Boris Koloff and, and uh, Lon Chaney, and um, Bella Lugosi are going to be remembered for their monsters that they created. He created a monster. He was and who, the writers, of course, Wes Craven um, as as the director. Um, you know, one of those staples in in horror. Um, every once in a while, you know, Jason. You could talk about Jason as well. And we've had the actor who portrays Jason on with Michael Berryman. We've we've had horror icons on and they're um, they're being elevated and they should be uh, elevated to a special place in pop culture history and uh, a big reason why is is the walking dead now i mean the walk walking dead and i haven't even watched the whole series i just i've seen different uh different segments i i will i'll binge it one day and and get into it i've heard it's so great and from what i've seen but uh, walking the walking dead and fear the walking dead have uh, elevated uh, the horror genre to uh, to to places that it's never been before. Uh, but Friday uh, the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street, 
um, they, uh, they they changed a lot. You know, they changed a lot of things about the uh, the genre. And before that, it was just it was the big character, um, which I guess it's, <laughs> these guys created their own big character. But Frankenstein, uh, the werewolf, and in uh, in Dracula, um, you know, of of the thirties, forties, fifties. Well, we got Freddy Krueger, and we just had him on. Robert Englund has been our very special guest. Blumhouse's Compendium of Horrors uh, narrator is uh, Robert Englund, a.k.a. Freddy Krueger. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down. He's breaking it down so you don't have to. This is Breaking It Down with Frank McKay on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.